Brought to you by the all-new 2014 Toyota Corolla. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Noel is with us again. That's right. Really, it's just been a very short period of time since he was last with us. <laughs> well, who knows? We might release these weeks apart. Oh, yeah. Just to throw people. Yeah. You know? It's possible. Uh, how you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm great. I'm ready to tunnel through this show and get on all up out of here. <laughs> That's pretty lame. It was okay. Yeah. Um, it worked, though, because what we're talking about has to do with tunnels. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, we covered a little bit of this in the Subways podcast. Yeah, cut and cover. Cut and cover, but this is this goes deep under cut and covering. You got to stop this. I know. Yeah, we're talking about underwater tunnels specifically. That's right. Which, by the way, we should probably say for those of you who are into semantics, um, the word tunnel is applied only to something that is bored entirely underground. Yes. If right. If you say, <clears throat> like we talked about with cut and cover in subways, if you dig out a trench, put in your tunnel, and then backfill over your tunnel, yeah. what you've created is a conduit. Yeah. And if you if you correct people when they talk about this kind of thing. That means you're so obnoxious. All right. <laughs> or you're an engineer of some sort. Yeah, but engineers don't even do that because they, they, they so want to be liked, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're talking about how – and I think a lot of people wonder how do you manage to get a tunnel under the water. We're going to tell you. It's really not that hard. And there's a few ways. Yeah. I don't know if saying it's not that hard is correct. Well, not that um, complicated in a engineering sense. Again. No, I think – None of these, like, I was like, what? Right. They bore a tunnel under a river? Right, but just the, this is the the overview. I mean, you sure. can read this article and go build an underwater railway tunnel. <laughs> is that what you thought I was saying? No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying, like, there's so much more to, like, just the details. Yeah, I mean, I but knew you weren't saying that. There's particle physics and there's digging a big hole under a river. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, we're going to hear from some angry civil engineers. No, I think it's great. I think it's modern uh modern marvel is what it is. It is. Yeah. So, uh Chuck. Yes. It's not necessarily modern. Yeah, that's true. No, people have been digging under rivers um since the Babylonians. Yeah, I was quite surprised by this. They managed to build a 3000-foot brick-lined arch-supported tunnel mm-hmm. 12 by 15 feet under well, they diverted the Euphrates River, and it was a pedestrian passageway. That's crazy. Right. This is 2180 BCE. Right. And I think they diverted it temporarily. Well, yeah, sure. But even still, it's still a tunnel, and they still did this several thousand years yeah. ago. and they diverted a river, which is impressive in its own. I'm impressed with them. I'm glad to hear you are, too. Um, th- over the years, people kind of, I imagine, built and failed spectacularly in trying to build underwater. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until the 19th century that people really kind of started to advance 
by leaps and bounds over, say, the Babylonian methods <clears throat> to come up with uh, some techniques that are still in use today. Yeah, as far as underwater goes. Right. I mean, they were tunneling all during the 18th and 19th centuries. And uh, in fact, the word undermine, I thought was fairly interesting. It came yeah. from the fact that there were miners who dug under castle walls to collapse them. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, it's a very good idea. And I don't think we covered that in our castle podcast either. No. I wish we had. Yeah. That would have been complete. Now I know that that episode is incomplete. (laughs) But like you said, it was the 1800s when we finally said, uh, hey, let's try this underwater thing again uh, because we think we can do it now. Yeah. And they kind of had it licked. And again, like I said, some of the techniques that they came up with at this time are still in use today. Yeah. I got a question for you, though. Okay. If it's dangerous... And it's uh, pricey. Yeah. Why do you tunnel at all? Why not just build bridges? That is a fantastic question. And I happen to have some answers. Okay. All right. So think about this. You build a bridge. It makes sense. Yeah, it's beautiful. Bridge works. We know how to build bridges. We've been doing it forever. But what if you have a heavily trafficked shipping lane with ships that are taller than your bridge? You can build a drawbridge, but it's going to be up and down, up and down, and up and down all day. Yeah. And don't fool yourself. A drawbridge is pretty expensive, too. Sure. That's one. All right. Uh, if you are um, an enemy of the United States, sure, your bridge could be a target from airstrikes. Yeah. That's a problem for you. If you, I mean, if you want to build it again afterward, it could be struck down again and then again. You, uh, you want true. your bridges to remain intact. Yes. I'm going to argue for tunnels here, though, my friend, okay. and say that they withstand tides very well yeah. and currents and storms. It's not out in the open like a bridge is. Uh, you can go greater distances with a tunnel. Right. And you can carry, like, almost virtually unlimited amounts of weight. So score one for tunnel and chuck. <laughs> yeah, because with the bridge, you have to worry about it collapsing. Sure. With the tunnel, it's like, no, you're probably pretty firm against some sort of bedrock or seabed or something like that, that you're, you're, you can put as many trucks as you want on it. It's not going to break. Yeah, I guess we'd call seismic activity a draw. You Have you ever seen it's that? It's probably not good for either one. Have you have the bridges? Seen, yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> nuts. Was that in Seattle or Washington? I don't know, man, but that's you look at that and think, how does that move like that without just completely breaking apart? It does. Pretty scary. So um, we're going to call that a draw, though, because earthquakes are not good for either. Um, well, but, what cost? You said that that bridges are costly. Well, bridges are, get costlier the bigger they are, whereas tunnels get cheaper the bigger they are. Yeah, the the, the length. Yeah. With a tunnel, it, it starts the cost starts to drop as it gets longer and longer. Not so with the bridge. So why then would city planners still use tunneling as a last uh, sort of a last resort? I guess because they like bridges more. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was uh, and scene. We were play acting. <laughs> not very well either. No, I thought it was pretty good. Oh, you did? Yeah. I thought it was okay. So uh, let's talk about some of the tunnels they've got going on these days that are pretty remarkable. Um, there's one that actually connects two islands in Japan. Um, it's called the... Well, you're the resident Japanese expert. How do you pronounce that? <laughs> the Saikon Tunnel. The Saikon Tunnel. Saikan. And that is the um, <laughs> one of those two <laughs> holds the record for the longest and deepest underwater rail tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did that in the 1950s after a typhoon sank some ferry boats in the Sugaru Strait and killed like over 1,400 people 
they said, you know what, maybe we should go underwater with this operation. Yeah. And they did so. And it connects Honshu and Hokkaido. Yeah. And Hokkaido is known for its uh, soap factories. Oh, I knew you'd have a tidbit for me. The Simpsons tidbit. Oh, was that from... Uh, the Mr. Sparkle episode. Oh, man. One of the best ever. <laughs> So in 1988, they completed the Saikan Saikan tunnel. Yeah, I'm going to go with Saikan. Okay, um, and it stretches 33 and a half miles. Yeah, the whole tunnel does. Yeah, that's impressive. It is, but then um, only 14 and a half miles of it. Only yeah, 14 and a half miles of it are underwater. Yeah, tunnel. but it goes close to 800 feet deep, which is that's sort of the remarkable part. That's a long way down. Yeah, you have to pop your ears when you're on that train. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, the channel, which we were laughing about before we hit record. Just the name. I know. <laughs> and we should say it's called the channel because it's actually the channel tunnel. It goes sure. under the English channel to connect the UK and France. Yes, and that was finished in the mid-90s. And uh, 24 of its 31 miles are underwater, but it only goes about uh, 246 feet down. Yes. Still o- impressive. Only. Yeah. It's so funny to use words like only with stuff like this or just. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the newest member to the underwater tunnel family is the uh, Marmare Tunnel that in Istanbul that connects the Asian portion of Istanbul and the European portion of Istanbul, which means it's the only underwater tunnel or the first to connect two continents. That's right. And the name comes from the Sea of uh, Marmara and the word Ray which is Turkish for rail, because it is a, another rail tunnel. Yeah. Meaning train. And uh, it's pretty cool. When they were when they started digging it, this thing, this project went slow as molasses, not just because of construction, yeah. but because they came upon the um, port of uh, Theodosius. Theodosius, yeah. I think. Is that right? Sounds good to me. So it was, um, it was a port in Istanbul. Back then it was Constantinople. Um, for that was the busiest port in the world for uh, about a thousand years, and it was lost. Yeah, and they came upon it while digging this tunnel, and the archaeologists were like, "Okay, stop, stop, stop." You got to turn. Yeah, they found forty thousand artifacts from this. No, That's they didn't awesome. turn. They went through it. Yeah, but they documented everything and grabbed it for the museums. Well, if it hadn't have been for the that tunnel, maybe they would have never found that stuff. You know? No, yeah, really. Uh, so that was an immersion tunnel, and it was the longest and deepest immersion tunnel ever built. Immersion tunnels are my favorite. Yeah, that's the one that I didn't think was super complicated. Um, I saw a couple of videos, and I'm telling you, it is. there's a lot to it. <laughs> Just the pontoons alone are... Yeah, but it's like the kind of thing you can replicate in your bathtub. Right. That's I, what I mean by I, I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. Uh, so we're going to get into what that all means, because... Um, there are quite a few ways to build tunnels, and three, yeah, and there. Well, there's three in use. I bet there's other dudes out there trying to figure new stuff out. Yeah, right. Um, but one of the oldest that is still in use, uh, it's called a tunneling shield, thanks to a remarkable, remarkable dude, a Frenchman named Marc Isambard Brunel, who was eventually knighted for his work. As uh, inventing the tunnel shield. Understandably so. Yeah. It was a big invention. Pretty amazing. He got the idea from uh, watching a shipworm, which is like a naked clam. It has these little shells on one end. Mm -hmm. It's basically, 
Yeah, it's like the termite of the sea is what they call it. Because right. this thing bores into docks and boats and basically tunnels into wood and uh, leaves sawdust in his wake. And this right. guy saw this and he's like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. I think I'll make a tunneling field. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so he came up with the Brunel shield, which is actually um, rectangular. But the best way to think of what a modern tunneling shield looks like, um, there's a description given in this article that makes sense if you add one extra sentence. You take a coffee can, imagine a coffee can without its lid, and the bottom part of the coffee can is pointed somewhat with some holes in it. Yeah. And when you dig it into the ground and then turn it on its side to bore horizontally, Mm -hmm. what you have is something like a tunneling shield. So at the front end- What part did they miss? They're going straight down, and it just completely confused me. The fact that it wasn't going to the side. Oh, I couldn't wrap my head around it until I finally was like, oh, I see what they're saying. Gotcha. So that that coffee can, imagine it jammed horizontally underground. Yeah. Let's go in and explore it, right? In the front, there's holes, mm-hmm. and you have different kind of compartments where people stand. They're called muckers. Yeah. And they dig out the dirt in front of them, right? Yeah. And in Brunel's case, um, they were cast iron shutters. And they would just open these shutters one at a time and just dig a few inches out. And back then they used uh, uh, screw jacks, but now they use hydraulics. And just inch inch away, forward, little by little. Little by little, they're digging out. reinforcing them, building the sides as you go. Right, and that coffee can in the meantime is holding that tunnel shape, right? Because it's the exact shape of the tunnel shield. Yeah. While the guys in front are digging, uh, the, the, the coffee can is giving them... All support, and then right behind it are masons and steel workers who are reinforcing the tunnel. And then the the reinforced finished concrete tunnel provides the stability for those hydraulic jacks that slowly and little by little inch the whole thing forward. Yeah, I mean it's the it's like every tunnel, although actually the immersion tunnels aren't. But when you're digging a tunnel, it goes back to the Babylonians: you dig, support, advance, dig, support, advance. Right. Just like. Charles Bronson in The Great Escape. Oh, yeah. Was that his mantra? No. <laughs> his was just, I'm going to go tunnel in this tunnel and yeah. build a frame. You do a good Bronson. Well, it's sort of Bronson, but it's also sort of the guy from The Simpsons who was right. based on Bronson. Hank Azaria. Is that who does that? Sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I don't know that for sure, but is it? I I'm positive. It. Oh, okay. Um, it's Simpsons reference number two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Uh... But remember, in The Great Escape, too, they needed, uh, and of course we'll see this, too, it's a very dangerous job, and they needed air. So they had the, um, uh, I think, uh, fire bellows, bellows? Mm-hmm. Uh, something pumping bellows just to pump fresh air in there. Right. Because when you're 100 feet in a tunnel underground, especially the size of the one The Great Escape, just like big enough for your body, yeah. you're going to run out of air. Yeah, and well, that's something that they ran into. We talked about, I don't remember what episode it was, but we were talking about building the Brooklyn Bridge. Um they had these basically uh, an upright coffee can yeah. that they dug the the um, the posts out of. Yeah. Um, this is the same. They they ran in the same thing when they were building the 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 tunnel underneath the Thames River. Thanks to Brunel, he built it with his son. Yeah, very short, like twelve hundred feet, but it took about eight or nine years. Yeah. Um, it was there was a shutdown for seven years because it ran yeah. out of money, but um. It was deep enough so that you had to pump compressed air in 
to keep the water out. Yeah. And since there was compressed air, you had to go through a series of airlocks or else you'd get the bends. Sure. And um, I don't know if we said this. It seems obvious. But the reason you're doing all this is because digging into soft earth is problematic because your leading edge is going to continually want to collapse on right. top of you. Unless you have pressurized air to keep the water at bay. Yes. And you have guys digging out through a support structure, e.g., a tunneling shield. Sand hogs. That's method one. Yes. And it's an old one, and it's a good one. It's still in use today. Um, it has to be softer. You can't dig through bedrock because, you know, this thing sure. moves through hydraulic jacks, and there's guys digging. Yeah. Um, if you run into like some serious rock, the best thing to use is called a uh, tunnel boring machine. Yeah, if you've ever seen Die Hard Three, you get a good glimpse at so these. Jeremy Irons. Yeah, yeah, which is a pretty good one. Um, in fact, it, well, actually, yeah, it's the one of only two good ones. Sam Jackson. Yeah, two? the first one and that one were pretty good. The <clears> second <throat> one and I didn't. The, all the other ones were just terrible. The second one. It wasn't so bad. Yeah, it was all right. I'll have to see it, it again. It was at the airport. Yeah. It was okay. I love any kind of airport disaster flick at oh, all. Yeah? Oh, yeah, man. I'm crazy for those movies. Airport, Airport 77, Airport 82, whatever. Yeah. Uh, airplane. Love them. What about that bad Tom Hanks movie where he played the foreign guy that lived in the airport? I never saw that, but did you know? The Terminal. Yeah. Did you know that's based on a real guy? Yeah. Yeah. It says so in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie. It wasn't very good. The I think the fact that it was like kind of lighthearted and and warm, it, it, that's not what the guy was like. In yeah, life. well, Spielberg plus Tom Hanks doing accents. Man, have you seen him doing Walt Disney? Yeah, I thought that looked okay in the preview. No, I can't tell. I uh, did. I managed to get through only about twenty minutes of Cloud Atlas the other night. Oh man, and his. I just can't see Tom Hanks as like this cockney rough yeah. ruffian. I why mean, I love they... the guy. He's an amazing actor, but it, it's just, it didn't work. No, why did they do that to him, too? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Hodgman's got some good stories about Tom Hanks, by the way. I don't know if you should be telling people that. No, I'm not going to tell the stories. I don't even know if you should say <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, man, that was a uh, nice Hanksian sidebar. Tunnel boring machines, die hard, two, three. Yeah, so these things are like a couple of stories tall. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're tunnel boring machines is the right word for them. They're all-inclusive machines. They cut, they support, and they build yeah. as they go along. They're magnificent as far as, as mechanical engineering goes. Yeah, they have a, a spinning cutting head. These basically huge, giant steel wheels that twist and turn in different directions. And then that whole thing turns, and it's just uh, a destructo-mobile <laughs> that goes straight ahead and uh, lifts that, pummels that rock, and shoots it out on a conveyor behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, just very all in much one like motion. a bivalve, a shipworm. And then uh, this is the part I didn't get, that they're actually building it with a, an erector uh, as it goes. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's all just one big machine that you just basically press start and it goes forward. Yeah. And they actually used um, tunnel boring machines, a pair of them, for the uh, channel construction. Yeah. One from one side and one from the other side. And thanks to GPS, Yeah. good GPS, um, 
they were able to keep them on a course for one another. Yeah, the first rather thing than I like thought missing. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I thought was I would end up like ten feet above. Oh man, I wouldn't even end up that close. Yeah, and you'd be screwed. You'd have to start all over. It's Mine would like... end up in Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be great. Yeah, we'd be like just tunnel up and get drunk. Yeah, tour some <laughs> distilleries. Uh. But luckily, they had a lot smarter people than us working on the channel. Right. Um, they drive forward uh, at a rate of about 250 feet per day. That's is significant because we're talking like bedrock. Yeah. Uh, you know, like if you if you were able to take away all of the dirt and all of the water yeah. on Earth, you, what you would have is rock. That's the mantle. And that's what you're digging through is this rock. It's made to support the Earth. Exactly. <laughs> Heck, it is the earth. Yeah. And um, this is what these machines dig through at a rate of 250 feet a day. That's impressive. Yeah. When they work, apparently they're uh, something this violent is prone to, to breaking down. So right. I guess when you have them up and running, that's a good thing. When they're down, yeah. then um, you're obviously going to be losing time. Did you see how the author of this article put it? I did. I didn't even want to comment. <laughs> you want to? Go ahead. Well, he just says that they um, break down more often than a used Jaguar. Except he probably said Jaguar. Jaguar. Yeah. I didn't know that. Or Jaguars, are they famous for uh, not working? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Didn't know that. Older ones are. Well, that's like any old car, right? I think they they they? and like VW Rabbits had like bad track records. Oh, I remember the Rabbit? Mm -hmm. Or the Cabriolet? Yeah. Every uh, sorority girl's favorite car. Right. What else? <laughs> Remember Le Car? Yeah. It even said Le Car on the side. Yeah. It's French for the car. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, did you know, Josh, that they are have been banding about the idea of a transatlantic tunnel for decades? That's pretty awesome. I don't think it'll ever happen, though. No, that would be very costly. Because it would be the... Um, it would be an immersion tube, but they wouldn't be able to go to the seafloor, obviously, because that's just crazy. It would be tethered, uh, floating, essentially, at about 150 feet below the water. Right, dangling from a pontoon on the surface. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> 54,000 football field-sized si- uh, sections. And that's how we're going to get into that in a minute, but that's how they work with these immersion tunnels. They do it one section at a time. It's just, it's just too much money and too much stuff. There's a, well, there's actually an immersion tube tunnel um, that's proposed in Norway across the Sogna Fjord. That um, sounds much more manageable than the Atlantic Ocean. Really, I mean, just the idea of this this pontoon getting pummeled by um, by cyclones and yeah. and just bad weather in general. Plus, why do it? These people who just want to drive to England from I, New York. I don't know. I don't know the the logic behind It'll any happen. advantage behind something like that. It just seems like it would just every every foot of it is a potential for it to just break, and the whole thing's trashed. Yeah, but the one in Norway is that a, a an ITT an immersed tube tunnel? It is dangling from a pontoon above. Oh, okay, that one's dangling. Right. So that technology exists. Uh, well, it's it's in proposal stage, and like the thing I saw w- was still probably kind of an overview, but they seemed pretty confident about it. They had like, you know, title charts and all that kind of stuff. But it's 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 only something that's um, like twenty kilometers or thirty kilometers, something like that. It's not all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. Gotcha. You know. All right. 
Uh, so I guess we should fully explain the ITT then, which is our final uh, way that you can tunnel underground. And again, my favorite. But before we get to it, let's do a message break. Okay. Stuff you should know. And Chuck, now we finally get to talk about my favorite uh, type of tunneling, the immersion tube tunnel. That's right. So these rubber seals have uh, Gina gaskets, actually, is what they're called. Oh, yeah? And you winch the two together, and you pump the water out, and these gaskets and seals, uh, the the change in water pressure creates, compresses them and creates an airtight seal. Huh. But it's underwater. Yeah. So <clears throat> you would go in, say, we want an underground tunnel going from this part of land to that part of land <laughs> under here. Yeah. So we're just going to go in. We're going to dredge. And dig yeah. and create a trench where we're going to eventually put the tunnel. Yeah. But we're going to make the tunnel in individual pieces here on dry land, usually at some sort of shipyard. Sure. And they're going to use the amount, the equivalent of steel and concrete to make an average size 10 story building. So just tip it on its side, and that's what your section looks like. That's one section. Yeah. Um, and then once the concrete cures after a month, We'll take it out to sea in a pontoon crane, yeah, which is exactly what it sounds like, but they're gigantic. Um, we seal it up first so that it floats. Sure. Can't and sinking yet. Right. And then once we do get it over the site roughly where we want it, we will kind of start to sink it a little bit. Or I've also seen they'll weight it down. Uh, and then they'll sink the thing. And eventually they'll link it up to another segment. So they use winches to link, to pull one segment to another. Yeah. Um, and then these rubber gaskets hold the seal. Yeah. And in this, this bulkheads, these temporary bulkheads that are keeping the two, um, the two segments separate, like it, inside the tunnel, you couldn't go through them yet. Right. You pump the water out. That change in air pressure compresses the rubber gaskets, forming a watertight seal. Then you remove the steel bulkheads. Bam. There's two connected segments of the tunnel. And you just keep adding and adding and adding and adding until you've created your prefab underwater tunnel. It's yep. beautiful. Then you cover that up, backfill it or something with mm-hmm. rock. Yeah. And we have a guy named W.J. Wilgus to thank for this because he invented it way back in the early 1900s. Yeah, that is an early 1900s name. Oh, yeah. W.J. Wilgus. <laughs> Look at my immersed tube tunnel. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We're the world's fair, see? And everyone said... This is a pretty good idea. Yeah, and it um, he pioneered the technique when he built the uh, Detroit River Railroad Tunnel uh, connecting uh, Michigan to Canada. So technically, the first immersed tube tunnel was a sewer line in Boston in 1894. And when he built that railway line, that was like, okay, this thing works. Because we've been shuttling poop in Boston. Exactly. <laughs> and this is like, now we can do it with trains, and you are now the man of the hour, W.J., because what is a train except a lot of poop? <laughs> you know? There is a similarity in principle. <laughs> uh, but that has been the go-to since then, and there's been more than 100 of these built in the 20th century alone. Uh, and that didn't even count the 21st century. No. So I don't even know what's been going on the past 13 years. I saw like an engineering thing that's, that referred to them as rare, but I don't have the impression that they're rare at all. They're not rare. I think they're kind of like the go-to technique for any, well, as many as possible. Yeah, well, the one advantage is um, <laughs> is that they you can make them any shape. You know, it's not like when you have a tunnel boring machine, right? Um, it's going to have the shape of 
the tunnel borer. Or same with the tunnel shield as well. Yeah, I guess so. It's the same. It's the size of the giant coffee can. But you could make a tunnel in the shape of a diamond if you wanted to. All right. Uh, well, maybe not a diamond. Well, you could. <laughs> It'd be kind of crazy. It'd be a big waste of money. But, uh, yeah, you can take any shape. And um, you will also have to use some of those other methods eventually because this is just for the what's along the bottom uh, to get down to that section and then out the entrances and exits you're going to have to use some other methods. Right, you might have to tunnel through yeah, through some sort of rock or whatever. But yeah, when you put these tunnel segments in and you pump the water out of the 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 chamber that connects the two, you take the bulkheads off, like there's your finished tunnel right there. I mean, you've got the floors, the walls, the ceiling, yep. the roadway. You go in and put the wiring in and the lighting and all that stuff afterward, but Boom. your tunnel's set. Yeah. I just think it's neat. I think it's very neat. Um what else you got? I got nothing else. There's one proposed right now that will be the longest immersed tube tunnel in the world when it's finished in 2016. There's a 50-kilometer bridge that connects or will connect Hong Kong to Macau. Okay. And part of it is a 6.7-kilometer long immersed tube tunnel, which will probably be real nice. Awesome. Yeah. I guess that's it. All right. Go forth and build tunnels. Go forth and build underwater tunnels. That's right. Uh, let's see. If you want to learn more about underwater tunnels, you can type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, and since I said search bar, that means it's time for listener mail. All right. Uh, I'm going to call this another chess email. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be it on the chess emails. But thank you to everyone who wrote in about your chess strategies and stuff. It's yeah. pretty great. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for doing the podcast on chess. It's a great game. Here are a few things. That you sort of missed. Uh, jumping, Josh implied, or maybe even outright said, ooh, that a knight only appears to jump over other pieces, but mm-hmm. really just goes around them. Knights actually can jump over other pieces. For example, if you were so inclined on your very first move, you could jump your knight over your pawns and place it in front of the rest of your pieces. Uh, there aren't any empty spaces to take your knight around your islands in the stream. So that's jumping, baby. Uh, a little more on castling, a couple of things. As you said, you cannot castle if it either, uh, if either piece involved has moved during the game. You also can't do it if the king is in check or has to move through check to castle. So if the opposition queen is attacking a square that the king has to go through to castle it, it cannot be done. Yeah. Yeah. You got that? Yeah. You should probably all go back, rewind that, and listen to it again. <laughs> That's right. And, um... That's from Matt in Pittsburgh. I'm sorry, in L.A. via Pittsburgh. <laughs> but uh, I did want to point out someone else in an, um, another correction. I think we we got the um, pawn promotion right, like if you make get your pawn all the way to the other end of the table. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think we pointed out that you can only promote it to a piece that you've already lost. Oh, no, we definitely did not. In other words, you can't have two queens. Okay. But if you lost your queen. I specifically said you'd have two queens. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know that. I, I thought that. I didn't catch that. I knew that, but I didn't catch it. Yeah. So that was from uh, someone else. But thank you, Matt, uh, in L.A. via Pittsburgh. Yeah, thanks. Um, and and he also, the other person. Yeah, he also described en passant, but I think we've already taken that up in another listener mail. So Yeah. Thanks for all the corrections on chess. People. Yeah, everybody. Thank you very much. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, tweet to us. Our Twitter handle is SYSK Podcast. Our Facebook.com page is slash Stuff You Should Know. Uh, you can send us an email to stuffpodcast at discovery.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. 